Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to tonight's edition of Winchester Radio. Uh, this is Susan, and tonight um, our our podcast pinch hitter uh, host is Benny. Uh, Becky is not here tonight. Um, and hey, y'all are in for a treat. Because <laughs> me and Minnie are just not too thrilled with this episode, to put it mildly. Uh, thank you, Benny, for pinch hitting on something. Bad. You know, let's see who really thinks about me after the fact, though. Yeah. Although the last couple episodes I did. Yeah, the last couple of episodes I did, I stepped in for you, so you missed me being salty mm-hmm. on those. But whoever's mm-hmm. listening gets to you, welcome back to my saltiness, guys. Hi. <laughs> yes, and um, yeah, this time you won't be alone. You will not be alone. Um, <laughs> okay, like I've. Anyway, this episode is called There's Something About Mary. Um, Mary in this one, of course, is Winchester. Uh, It is uh, episode 20 of the 12th season. Uh, It was directed by P.J. Pesci and written by, as everyone knows, my least favorite writers, Brad Buckner and Eugene Ross Lemming. Now, Vinny actually doesn't have nearly the issues with them that I do. (laughs) <laughs> you know um, what? One of these but... things I want to—I want to actually like pick everybody's brain about it because I have this theory mm-hmm. that everyone just likes to say they don't like them because mm-hmm. it's a given over like a couple situations mm-hmm. that people didn't like, so they've just decided like, mm-hmm. no, I don't like them as a rule. But mm-hmm. like, if if I were to make a pro and con list, I can't think of anything they've done that's any more egregious than any other writer. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't like, I don't hate uh, Route 666. In fact, I rather like that episode, and I, I get kind of twitchy when people say they don't like it. What was this, is completely off topic. this is completely off topic of this episode, but I get real twitchy when people don't like that episode because I'm biracial, and the fact that something on TV dealt with that in what I felt was a respectful manner. And when people dismiss it, I get real shirty about that. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, off the bat, I don't have a problem with them. And I don't have a problem with Man's Best Friends with Benefits. I don't have that much of a problem with Taxi Driver because, and Susan and I were talking about this before, before we went on air, is that when major things are done in a script, it's not necessarily the writers of the script who did it because there are story editors and showrunners who go in and make writers do things. You have to have this moment. You have to have this, mm-hmm. this, this cause and effect. And so I can't get mad about them butchering canon because at the end of the day, it's not their job to make sure that they didn't butcher it. It's the writer's assistant, the story editor, and the showrunner. So either mm-hmm. those people aren't earning their paychecks or those people are the ones saying, yes, do it. I need you to do this. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my lack of issue with them comes in. 
<laughs> Plus, mm-hmm. everybody knows that I'm the jerk that's never going to be mad at them for, for killing Charlie. I will always be like, <laughs> by the way, they also killed Charlie. Wasn't it great? And I know that I'm, like, on my little <laughs> island with, like, five other people with that one. But, like, sorry, guys, I just didn't like Charlie. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, I like Charlie. Saying, I like Charlie. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, um, am I, was I, I was in, I was, I know a lot of fans were enraged with the way she died even more than the fact that she was dead. And I didn't have a problem with the way she died because, you know what, crap happens. And sometimes you don't always die beautiful and, and, and for the right reasons and well, everything and else. And, my, and these two are the like thing. the king and queen of killing people for like yes. the doofiest reasons. But, well, but I, I didn't that have a that. Complain. But I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, people complain with Charlie, but they were like, that was so out of character. And I'm like, Charlie's sitting there and saying, like, someone telling Charlie, don't do this and please do this. And her going, screw you, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway, was 100% yeah. in character. Well, she'd always and done so, that. <laughs> yeah, I and I do think that, like, when you're just a staff writer, you don't walk into your pitch room and go, by the way, I'm going to kill this character. Got it? That doesn't happen. Mm. Usually the showrunner mm-hmm. goes to you and goes, hey, we've got to kill off this character. Your turn. And I think they mm-hmm. decided that the duo are the ones, and I do think that part of it, pet theory, I think they choose the duo to do these things because they're not on social media. So they're not going to sit there and scroll their mentions and worry about the reaction. They have to sit there and say, I'm going to make a conscious effort to look at the tag. I'm going to make a conscious effort to look at everybody else's mentions because I'm not on social media. I don't have to hear what fandom has to say about what I did. Because they also understand that fandom and the viewing audience, there's very little overlap. Very few people in fandom have Nielsen boxes. Statistics, that's just statistics. So mm-hmm. I do think that I do think that they are often tasked with doing the things that are going to cause the most fandom outrage and uproar because they don't have to. I mean, if Robert Barron's writes an episode, he would if he didn't want to hear what people had to say about it, he would have to avoid his mentions for you know ever, literally forever. Mm-hmm. true and we know that he doesn't avoid his mentions at all because he favorites almost everybody's tweet to him especially if it's in praise Mm -hmm. he's going to favorite it a majority of the writers on staff right now are very into their social media accounts and a lot Mm -hmm. of their writing tends to reflect that as well and I think I do think the duo go you know what I'm not going to even worry about what you people are saying I have a job to do Mm-hmm. I have what my boss has told me to do. I have deadlines to meet, and that's what I'm going to worry about. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but that makes the most business sense to me. That's interesting. And they, neither one of them has probably bowed to any kind of pressure to join social media because that is a requirement, basically, these days, is that you get a Twitter account right. and tweet about this at least once or twice, you know, and, that right. kind of, and, and, you, and they don't. And if we think about it, Supernatural is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> it is the only <laughs> CW show that doesn't have an, a writer's Twitter account. 
other shows, there's, you know, the 100 mm-hmm. writers, but then the writers have their own personal accounts. This is the mm-hmm. only show that I can think of that doesn't have that. So everybody mm-hmm. is going, you know, nobody's getting like general, like this, this episode, I had these issues with this episode at CW, at SPN writers. Mm-hmm. No, you're getting, hey, Sleepy Panda, I didn't like this. Mm-hmm. Hey, Robert Barron, mm-hmm. I didn't like this. Hey, Robert Barron, thanks for the, the, the shout out on this. We know you're watching us because you wrote this. Mm-hmm. All those little things, because we're all on social media. I read my mentions. You read your mentions. Mm-hmm. You kind of can't mm-hmm. help having your mentions and your conversations online shape who you are as a person, just like your conversations in day-to-day life and your interactions in day-to-day life do. Couple mm-hmm. that with it coming to you in the thousands, there's no way it doesn't have an effect. And I don't just mean your writing. I mean your, like, mental stability. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. <laughs> because if I was yeah. a writer and I was getting all this, hey, do this, hey, do this, hey, do this, oh, middle finger to you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the exact opposite every time. Mm-hmm. So well, you can't. I do, you can't yeah, listen. I. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, like Josh I, I really do. Way. I do really do challenge people to tell me like like I'm completely open to the debate of tell me exactly why you don't like the duo and tell me something. Tell me things that they've done that nobody else has done to single them out that you don't like them. I challenge anyone to that debate. I, I truly do. I'm completely willing to be wrong. Um, Their thing with me is, I think, I think they're sometimes they're just their basic mechanics of writing are not good. Um, I think they're cavalier with canon. I think they make the the character. I think they make characters like Sam and Dean look stupid to build up their own characters or suit their situations. Okay, so then and I that will makes me go crazy. back. Well, and then so to that, I will counter for five and a, five seasons, five seasons, they were mm-hmm. not on the writing staff. And there were canon fails. There were Sam and Dean being dumbed down for other characters. Even while they were there, part of my issue with Charlie was the Winchesters were constantly dumbed down to make Charlie look like this amazingly smart, capable, like, she can do mathematic equations in her head and she's a crack shot and she can do this and she can do that and she can do this. She's the smartest person in the room. Mm. I'm sorry. Sam and Dean are geniuses. I don't want to hear your ass. Sorry, Robbie Thompson. I'm always going to be bitter about you. I'm always going to be bitter about you. (laughs) (laughs) Because Robbie Thompson for me is what the duo is for most people. And so to me, like I said, I'm not saying they don't do it. I'm not saying they don't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm mm-hmm. saying I don't believe they do it any more egregiously than anybody else. Mm. I think they do because they do it consistently. There's never an episode that once in a while, once in a while there's an episode where I can say, okay, they're not, they weren't as bad as usual. And I'm kind of okay with where this did, episode. Like, but Where did Cannon fail in this episode? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Technically, where did Cannon fail in this episode? And I'm not saying that I like this episode because I did not. But where did Cannon fail? And where were Sam and Dean dumbed down? They actually weren't. Um, 
have to look at my notes. <laughs> but I know I made notes of it. and Or it may not be specifically them. And I will say, they like, were, like, and the reason they I were like the only like part of this t- episode I thought were really good. I thought they were Jensen and Jared. Right. When they I were in concur. it, which isn't as much these days, I thought they were terrific. I thought their acting was wonderful. And for the most part, they were very smart. Um, but there were... And I will... Like, I, I will say that, um, how do I put it? I think one of the hardest problems, too, that the duo have to deal with that not everybody always has to deal with, but they always have to, is the overstuffed episodes where they have to give everybody screen time because everybody signs, everybody signs some sort of commitment to that episode, whether you have a regular contract, a lead contract, or a guest star contract for that episode, you have mm-hmm. paperwork saying, I'm here to get paid for this time frame. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to pay somebody, you have to give them some degree of screen time. And mm-hmm. I think those episodes suffer the most overall in coherency for that, for that purpose. Like, you have to give you know, you have to give Mark and Mark their their time. You have to give Jared and Jensen their screen time, little as it seemed to be in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so many characters this season in general, so many. It, it, you know, you have to justify why you're paying all these people to Warner Brothers. <laughs> you can't just be like, oh, because I said so. Yeah. They're only coming yeah. to, you know, as it is, they have I. Mm-hmm in the episode for 30 seconds, but they probably, I hate to tell everybody this, the reason that she probably had no dialogue was not because, oh, the duo are prejudiced against people with hearing, uh, impa- uh, uh, hearing impaired or anything. No, it's because if you don't speak, they don't have to pay you as much. Right. Sometimes if you don't speak, they don't have to pay you at all if you're there for under an allotted amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes it's just business. Yeah. Also, like, when you're, um, when you're like, that character, well, she was alone. Who was she going to talk to? Yeah, that, that part didn't bother me. I mean, it just bugged me that they killed her. Because I'm like, you know, I liked her as a character. And I, I thought if they wanted to... You know, I'd start killing hunters. They're killing hunters. They um, need Sam and Dean to be involved. Sam and Dean are going to get involved no matter who the hunter is, if there's a pattern, especially if they're concerned at this point about their mother. They didn't have to kill Eileen. And I liked her as a character. And she didn't need to be the one. And she'd also proven before she was, you know, a very smart together hunter and she let herself be killed by a hellhound, you know. Well, she let and, herself and be killed by an invisible, than... an invisible thing. Like, give her some credit. A hellhound is invisible. Mm. <laughs> like, well, know? I say that because and I will we say, had, like, we for had, me, um... I've only watched, she was in, what, three episodes prior to this? Three? Two? Three? Uh, help? Help? Two. Two. She was, I think this was the third. This was the third. But. Are you, um, wait, no, but that was no. the thing. The last time we saw Hellhound, no. last time we saw Hellhound, a, a complete was, mundane, dopey. Was it fourth? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, because um, she was, it was the first episode that she came in with the Banshee. I didn't watch that. That was last season. I didn't watch it. 
Right. Here's the thing. I don't watch, but I know the episodes. Then she was in the Hellhound episode. I did watch that one. And then she shot that dude because she was in another episode. I didn't watch that episode. So this is her fourth episode. Also, here's the other thing. Going back to going back to money is her first appearance was a Robbie Thompson episode. Robbie doesn't work for the show anymore. Right. His character is expendable. Exactly. His characters are expendable. Here's the thing when you get to the point like like in previous seasons with, with Carver and now with Andrew Dobbs, the reason you see certain characters pop back up is because, you know, under Carver, we saw Claire. Well, yeah, he wrote the, yeah, he wrote the first Claire episode, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, yeah, it should have been we recently Claire saw Joshua. Episode. Yeah, we mm-hmm. recently saw Joshua. Yeah, well, Dark Side of the Moon, that's Andrew. So, mm-hmm. again, when you go back and go, well, what's expendable? Who character can we get rid of? You know, the ones that don't belong to people who are there. It's the same reason you see certain characters. The reason we've got the twins twice this season is because one of the new writers created them. Mm-hmm. So, but they're good characters. Again, I don't. Thank goodness. Yeah, they're yeah. I, I, well, I didn't watch the second episode with them, but I watched the first episode with them, and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. them. I would go back and watch the second mm-hmm. episode. I guess, meh, eventually, mm-hmm. whatever. That was really good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. Steve Steve Yaki can stay. He wrote really two terrific episodes and one good one this season. He can stay. Um, uh, I um, will. I will say he wrote two good episodes and one that I can't stand. How's that? <laughs> that's my girl. Um, <laughs> hey, 66% ain't bad. You know, that's, 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 that's a better track record that I'll give the writers. Um, <laughs> I do think, for me, a lot of what, a lot of you and I are going to differ on this, because a lot of my problem with this episode was not so much the writing, but it was, I had a, I really did not like the visual effects in this episode, which is really surprising to me because it's very rare that Supernatural's VFX mm-hmm. lets me down. And this was mm-hmm. bad. This was multiple mm. times bad. Um, and I'll say that some of the acting, although I don't think it was particularly the script because it is, some of the acting was really off. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm always nice to the actors when I am the writers. Um, it, it was campy. Some some of the British people just mm, mm, this isn't Monty Python, y'all. Stop. I, yes, yes, yeah. I I agree. I agree. Um, it's almost like they weren't British. They were, if they were bitten, being written as somebody who, somebody who thought they knew how British should be here, only had seen some British TV. Or do you know what I mean? It's like they weren't actually British people. Exactly. Does that make any sense? And it's not the line. They were written like it is the actual delivery. Mm-hmm. And it it reminds me of in season three when people would complain about Lauren's British accent. And she was like, no, actually, that's real. That's how I speak. And people were like, oh, her accent's so fake. Yeah. But, always made me laugh. But then we were like, when Buffy was on, the people would be like, oh, you know, thank God we actually have a Brit playing a Brit. And I'm like, actually, James is the only one who's not a Brit. 
uh, James and Alexis mm. are not Brits, and Anthony is, and y'all know that, right? Like, Alexis <laughs> and James aren't English. <laughs> and so I do think that sometimes, like, to the American ear, it's going to be off, but it was a combination of that and just the acting itself. It's just so... Okay, Becky's not on this podcast, so I can say this. Um, and I would tell her to her face anyway. But you know how when you watch the, the original Twin Peaks, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like this. Like, that's the whole point. It's supposed to be like that. But it's got that whole, the same vibe that you get from watching Changing Channels. That I know this is a TV show. You know this is a TV show. Let's all act like it's a mm-hmm. TV show. That's how they're acting, and it's fairly consistent. And then the other characters aren't doing that, and I just don't understand mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, I I know what you mean. I know. I actually thought I actually liked Mick because I thought I, I liked Mick so much. I really liked Mick. It was like I the really natural. Did. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't remember his name. Of course, he's dead. I calling him Mitch, but I liked him. Yeah. Mitch. That's funny. <laughs> I had a really hard time at first because since I don't watch regularly, I had a really hard time at first telling Mick and Catch Apart. Mm. Really hard. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. So, and um, it wasn't until they really fleshed the two characters out. Mm-hmm. And. And I do feel like lately the problem with Supernatural is you're, they're always going to kill what I feel is the wrong characters. So, like, okay, you're going to kill Mick and you're going to kill Eileen. But, like, why is Claire still alive? Cause well, she we know no why, sense. but, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. We know because why. But... Well, and especially because I will say, you know, <laughs> Jeremy Carver may have gone to a different show, but he is still listed as an executive producer for this. And he still comes up in the credits every week. Mm-hmm. Whereas other showrunners do not. And I'm curious as to what that indicates. But that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Because we can also, you may you can debate that like the reason she's there is to tie into cast, but the past two episodes she's been in Castles there. So, yeah. So and he wasn't even mentioned. He wasn't even mentioned in reference to her, which was very. Which bizarre. I She was in a lot of danger, and it was like he no one even thought to text him <laughs> about it. Which is like, fine okay. with me because she's not. He's not her father, and the fact that they tried to do that in season mm-hmm. ten is mm-hmm. one of the reasons I stopped watching the show because it really grossed me out because that's not her father. That's the dude possessing her father's body who murdered mm-hmm. her father. And like, can we just not? So mm. I don't really have, I don't have an issue with him not being mentioned in her episodes, but I do think like, why do we still have her? I don't understand. Um, yeah. I mean, I understand your reasoning, but, but the show goes there. And it was odd that the show didn't make any point of contacting her. You right. Know? And, and, and Sam and Dean knew that Cass, at least was trying to protect her or was trying to be involved in her life and and they didn't and nobody else even thought to to 
try and get, and at the time he was reachable. <laughs> you know, he didn't yeah, disappear I, for I mean, a while. Things, and, and I thought, yeah, well, that's odd. I can't get super mad at Supernatural anymore for doing it now if I didn't get, like, like, again, talking about, like, plot holes and, like, how egregious is egregious. Like, we never mm-hmm. saw Jesse the Antichrist again, ever. Like, nobody knows what happened to that no. kid. Like, such an important character in theory mm-hmm. could take down the world. I'm like, we're just never going to mention him again. Nah. Do you, do you watch soap operas? Have you ever watched soap operas? Uh, well, I used to, but not anymore. Okay, because watch the guiding that happens and... so often. Yeah. Stuff like that happens on the soap opera so often. Maybe that's why I don't notice it as much. Because, you know, I've, I remember a character, I think it was on Days of Our Lives. She went upstairs. She never came downstairs again. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> and, you know, they all, so, like, age differently. And then all of a sudden, yeah, look like, so I I, think, maybe that's like, that part of my brain where whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you do have to have a degree of suspension of belief, especially when you're watching a genre television show, like, if anything involves mm-hmm. monsters or time travel, like, it's kind of have to, there's certain things you kind of have to just go, hmm, I guess, whatever, and I guess, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. My other visual effects gripe, before we move on to the actual, like, content of the episode, um, the final scene. I, 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 I don't, why is Lucifer Lion Kinging at us? I, what? I, I didn't. It was like the Lion King. It, and I don't even mean like he was on top of a mountain. I mean, it literally looked animated as well. Hmm. See, I went with um, um, the sound of music. <laughs> somebody else was telling me that they saw uh, somebody, somebody uh, equated to a Cialis commercial. And, uh, yeah, that, witch, that cracked me up too. The witch, the witch commercial? Cialis for erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Yes. I didn't think of that. So, I'm like, you know, he was up in the mountains. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? But yeah, I was there? like, what? You know? And I, I went. It. I went with Lion King. And suddenly he's wearing a leather jacket. Son. Who picked yeah, that? Like, he stopped to like put on a leather jacket. What? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> and and I also felt like. They really, really visually telegraph that Crowley isn't dead. Yeah. Like the rat, the rat was very blatant when he was stabbed and right before he was stabbed, the body wasn't moving at all. And like, that's good on Mark because Mark has to show that there's, he's not in the body. Mm-hmm. But like when he was, like, it was just very telegraphed to me. And so for me, it wasn't so much a, a problem with the show doing it, but I was really surprised that people were like, no, Crowley. And I'm like, really? Really, guys? Really? Mm. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm glad because I still like Crowley. Um, because I like when, if you're going to have an antagonist or someone morally gray, I do prefer you to really show that they're morally gray, and I think they do that with Crowley versus Cass, mm-hmm. who's morally gray, but they just keep telling me he's good, and I'm like, mm, I don't think so, guys. Mm-hmm. No. I really don't think so. Yeah. Um, 
you want to tell me that Sam and Dean have their, their morality issues and Crowley have his morality issues, but, like, Fast doesn't? Sketchy, mm. no thank you. Mm. And I'm sorry, you can't use the fact that he's an angel because we've seen plenty of very gray <laughs> angels. Well, you and know, downright, so, like, yeah. and he was some gray, too, you know, black, the actual antagonist. Yeah, so... Which is one thing that I did like about Supernatural in the beginning when it came to the angels. I was very opposed to angels when they were brought in in season four. I didn't like it mm-hmm. from the jump. But I did like that they went with the whole, these are not fluffy little do, good, good guys. Like, they can mm-hmm. be asses. Yeah. I liked that. And now it's gotten to the point where you're sitting there constantly telling me they're all asses except for Cass. I'm like, okay, but then show me that Cass is doing right because I just keep seeing him going, I'm so sad. Let me burn my toys. What, why? Mm. Why? Well, I've been saying for a while, um, and, I, and I adore Mark Shepard and have since his X-Files appearance many, many, many years ago, but he, Crowley, and Cass have worn out their welcome. They need to move on um it's for supernatural as a whole it's unrealistic we've had them this long i mean they're i don't i don't probably maybe could make it a little bit longer because he he i think but i think cassie's done sorry i do um as character but and i do think that the storylines reflect that that Mm -hmm. You know, Crowley's been stuck in, the, in his dungeon castle for the past two seasons, just babysitting different other beings. For Samara, mm-hmm. now Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And Cass yep. is just sitting around going, um, you know, how can I'm I doing help? bad things, <laughs> but I'm trying yeah, to make up for him, but I keep feelings. doing bad things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. At, or they have so. him, they have to reboot him into different characters. Like last season, he was Cassifer. So mm. technically, Cassiel wasn't even in the season, which goes to show you don't need Cass in the show, and that's very telling. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not a Misha or Mark thing, that's a character thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and so, like, and I do think that they got a little smarter about it this season where they didn't necessarily go, okay, so we have to have Mark and Misha in every episode that they're scheduled for. You know, they both have a certain amount mm-hmm. of episodes they have to be in. Let's put them right. both in, in the episode. And I think that was a smart move to break it up because, mm-hmm. again, it goes back to me saying that the episodes are really overstuffed. Mm-hmm. Because if we had also thrown in a cast storyline into this episode, oh, forget it. Mm. I agree. Um, yeah, I say my opinion is not terribly popular, but it's it's just it's just a character issue. It's just a show issue, yeah. you know. It's not personal. It's just they're just not cutting it as much as. And they made that decision with Bobby. And as much as I loved well, Bobby, I, and was sad to see him die. They, it was right because they he was getting to be a, a, a crutch. And um, um, it was always like, well, Bobby will figure it out or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and that's not good on Supernatural, you know, to have something. And that's, and that's another issue they have with Cass is that, you know, he's, 
he's God in the machine. Unless they do something to him, you know, he can heal everything, do everything. And then this season, mm-hmm. it was like, what powers? Nobody ever really said, does he have this? Does he do that? Can he do that? What? He can do this, but he can't do that. And he's driving, but he can do this. It was very, very well, confusing and, and annoying. You know, you, so. get into, you, get into these, you get into these issues with that where, like, okay, before there were angels and Jared broke his arm in season two, Sam just had mm-hmm. to have a broken arm. Right. And so it, it reminded you of their humanity. But then mm-hmm. when Jared broke his arm before season 10, it made no sense why no one healed him. But the reason they didn't heal him is because, well, his arm was really broken. But in the story, you wrote in a character that can heal no matter what, and you never even explained why he didn't. So it just mm. makes Pass look cruel. Right. Yeah. And another thing, um, when they first introduced the Men of Letters bunker, I was a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I said, it's nice. They've been on the road for so long, and I liked them having a home. I liked having them some more of their history. I'd like to have a place for that, you know, because they were always, except for the car, there was no real consistency, except for Bobby's house, and, and that burned. But now, I'm like, burn it. <laughs> Talk yeah. to this and character, when, when this it, thing, and that end, blow it up. I'm like, burn it. Burn it. I'm done. Get re- You know what? Don't burn it. Just Blow it up. Do something where Sam and Dan can't <laughs> go there anymore. I thought you were going to say, just lock the door. Just, 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 just release plague in it. Or you know what? Have Sam and Dan go. You know what? Becky and I talk about this almost every week. It's like any Tom, Dick, and Harry can get in there. They don't ward it. They don't guard it. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that to even safeguard it, all they got to do is sit down with their copy of Home Alone. You know, they don't even have yeah. to dig up any magic, you know. And no, doesn't and have to anybody be magical. Just in. They spy on it. They leave stuff. And they bring in people in there who should not, are not fit to step over the doorstep, you know. There should be like a private way to get to the dungeon. And you keep people like Lucifer and, and Amara and any other uh like I'll be frank. Right out of my do you head. think I would have even the let Tony. Home, do you think I would have even let God in last year? No, you cannot come in my house, God. No, you've been a complete yeah. jerk for several years. You may not come in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other thing. Yeah. Is a lot of like nobody even has to be invited. And I get that like they're not vampires or whatever, but like it's their mm-hmm. home. And yeah. you know, yes, you can give me the whole you know, you want to explain the, the men of letters can get in because they're all men of letters no matter what country you're in. Okay, so you mm-hmm. explain them. Explain everyone else, though. Because everybody else can get in. And then you're going to then you're gonna tell me this episode, like, oh, catch, catch rejig the locks. Oh, so he can rejig the locks, but Sam and Dean can't. Mm. And the reason Sam and Dean can't is because they have to have that set used for exposition, they have to bring other characters in. So, like, I get it on that level. But, again, you have to, you have to sit there and say, like, storyline versus. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's not even like, yeah, that's great that you guys do this for exposition and you have a standing set on a show that doesn't have standing sets. Like, it's the only, like, completely 
like built and never comes down, never changes set, except for Sam and Dean's room. It's one room. They swap it out. That's the only change mm-hmm. that set gets as opposed to mm-hmm. any other set that is just, it's not static. So I get the convenience of that on a production level. I truly do. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why, you know, and Buffy ended up making it a bit of a joke. But there's a reason why in seven seasons of Buffy, you had to blow up the school. And then you had to get rid of Giles' house. Then you had to get rid mm-hmm. of the magic box. Like, you, you can't, because you can't have all your characters constantly sitting in the same spot, telling the same, the same thing in a different way, and expect your audience to not yawn. And Sam and Dean are too, too comfortable. They're too complacent. And another thing, mm-hmm. when you come in the bunker, when anybody else comes in the bunker from a, a attack standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, Sam and Dean are sitting ducks. Everybody comes in from above, and they don't mm-hmm. have to talk. All they have to do is pull their gun. You know, and Sam and Dean are great. Whenever but... somebody walks in on them, whenever somebody walks in on them, Sam and Dean are usually sitting at the table or right in front of the table, and they turn around and look up like, oh, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> like, really, guys? It's just, it, yeah. again, Don't you it have a camera? Yeah, it Don't you have a ring doorbell? You put a little camera <laughs> out there and you can see who's at the door from anywhere. <laughs> and it goes Maybe. back to making your protagonist look ignorant mm. when you've established that you're, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have your protagonist be genius level. Literally, they're both geniuses. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And they're both, you know, to quote, expertly <laughs> dangerously smart and expertly trained. So mm-hmm. you're gonna, but then you have them make, you, and that's part of why it works with them constantly being on the road. But like you said, since they're so complacent, they're so comfortable at home, they're lazy. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's allowed to have a sleepover? Really? Everybody? Thought, Lucifer, Cass, we're just gonna all, Charlie, we're all just gonna spend the night? Like the fact that there's literally an episode called Slumber Party irks me to no end. Yep. Um, what I'm hoping, because I thought the preview, the little appetizer that they do for the the last two episodes of the season next week, maybe they're just teasing me, but <laughs> it looks like it's entirely possible they will do something permanent to the bunker. Really and I got that feeling too, and I'm, I'm, I'm too afraid to hope. Yeah, I know. It's like, like you're just teasing me, you know, but... <laughs> I'm fragile. I mean, you know, we can't be the only ones who, who notice this, you know, and they're never going to say because, and wisely, because, you know, you don't, it's, it's, it's office politics, you know, it's office concerns, it's your business, you don't talk about it to fans or anybody else, but can't be the only ones who noticed all these issues. Let's hope. Yeah. And I'm sure, um, like, like I said, like I said characters, I'd level. toss down the steps, I'd lock the door, and blow it up. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my timeline so, is very adamant about the uh, about that. And, you know, you, know you, you and I and others discuss it often. Mm. And I, again, I get, I get on a production level. I get, like, for Jared and Jensen, it's mm-hmm. probably so nice to know that you're going to be filming at the studio for X amount of days mm-hmm. 
and, you know, it's comfortable and it's easy and it's nice and I get it. I do. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody already knows how to set up shots in there. Everybody already knows how to block in there. I, I totally get why. And it was very expensive. They love it. <laughs> yeah. It not a cheap set. We know that. But, yeah. and I, but. So like I said, I get on a production level why, but I can't even, like, even personally, like, I, I can't imagine, like, to me as a writer, I want to burn it. Because how frustrating mm. it is to constantly write around that thing. Mm-hmm. And I also, like, I'm curious because the writer who introduced it is no longer with the show. So I find that really mm. fascinating that we're still dealing with Men of Letters stuff when Adam Glass is no longer with the show. Mm-hmm. Well, rumor has it Jen, uh, Dean gets to use the grenade launcher, and Jensen said it was glorious. I'm sorry, that's a spoiler for anybody listening. Sorry. But oh, yeah, that was a... We don't know. Oh. And since I live off of spoilers, I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. But, yeah. you know, let's, let's whatever. Say, but, if um, Jensen were to have said that, and if you meant it, mm-hmm. then I have two feelings about it as well. One, please blow up the bunker. But two, also please use the the mini launcher because that joke is so stale now. Mm-hmm. So either use either use it or never mention it again because that joke is so tired to me. And you know that that's something I striped <laughs> about with the show for years is yeah. stop making stop writing around the joke. If the joke doesn't fit, the, the, the oh. problem is the joke, and you have to drop it. Yeah, we um, we we discussed that with the mention of team free will recently. Yeah, <laughs> which again anyway. is one of those things where you know you can't tell me that that was an organic thing. That was, which is why when I start mm-hmm. saying you know the writers need to get off social media because nobody uses team free will except social media fandom the general audience mm-hmm. doesn't because it was one line seven seasons ago mm-hmm. so those are when I and when I have to kind of you know look at a writer and say if you are turning to social media for ideas on how to make your episode palatable for certain people then Either I feel like you either need to re-delve into the show itself rather than the catchphrases of fandom. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that way about Bitch and Jerk, too. Like, you can sit there and mm-hmm. say, like, you know, it, it, it's iconic and everything, but once you use it a couple of times, it ends up sounding forced and borderline comedic. Mm-hmm. I don't mind repetitive... And I shouldn't say repetitive because that has a negative connotation, but I'll say repeated or common uses of phrase because most people have go-to phraseology that they like to use. You know, like I, you'll always say, like for the longest time I said, well, this is true, you know, and, and you know, your friends, they always say certain things. And I don't mind that. Sam and Dean have certain ways of saying things, but it's different to, like you said, like with team free will or something or keep, keep. Yeah. It's just that it. when it's a verbal you know, tick. Like it's just mm-hmm. when it's a verbal tick, like how Dean always says, seriously, seriously. Like, that's a verbal tick, and that's different. But mm-hmm. 
like I have really, I have verbal tics that are really obnoxious that I do vocally and in writing. So if I'm speaking, I'm very bad about saying, I mean, I mean, I start things with I mean, and I do it on Twitter. I will sacrifice characters in my tweet to be able to fit I mean, comma, and then have my thoughts. And I recognize <laughs> that it's an obnoxious tick. I'm fully aware mm-hmm. of it. It is just how I actually speak in real life as well. And I use like a lot. And so, and I use and a lot. <laughs> so verbal tics <laughs> like that, but when it's, when it's a catchphrase, it just, it sounds, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a car screeching to a halt because it stands out and you look around at everybody and go, did they just, did you really just? Okay. Mm. So especially like, and going back to that episode, even though I didn't watch it, but I pay attention to people's gifts. This is how I watch the show. Uh, there's like three people on Tumblr who make gifts of every episode. I go to their Tumblrs mm-hmm. and on, on Fridays, and that's how I watch the show, the gifts. <laughs> so in that episode, so you know, you're going to use team free will, and then you're also going to use a twist on dad's on a hunting trip and their mom's on a hunting trip. Oh, no, those were two separate episodes. Never mind. But anyway. You, yeah. you may, I mean, and then you're going to have that kind of pause, look at the camera moment that, that Dean gave when Sam said that. And it's just such a sore thumb. It's, it's, it's one of the things I used to have a big problem with Robbie Thompson doing, that he would throw out these little things that I wanted to tell him, yes, we get it. You watched all the major five episodes of Supernatural to get your Supernatural trivia pin. I get it. You watched the pilot. You watched Lazarus Rising. I get it. But did you actually watch the show? But you see, I didn't really mind as much. I didn't really mind it. Sam saying, um, um, "Mom's on a hunting trip and she hasn't been home in a week." I mean, it was slightly. It was. It was a different phrase. He was trying to persuade Dean. The first time, really, they brought it up in twelve years, and I, I know it's a trend, but that one didn't bother me as much as the goofy team free will thing, you know, it was, it was actually pretty serious. It didn't bother me as much, but the team free will thing just bugged me. Everything about it, you know, like you said, one episode, well, they dragged it out. Jensen looked like, yeah, like when they brought, the line when they brought gritted, you know, like I'm saying it, but I don't want to. And yeah. So yeah. Like anyway. when they brought back Asput. Oh, that was worse just... actually. It was not a good line that to was begin worse. with, and we're going to bring it back? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was worse episode, than Team Free Will. Yeah. Especially, mm-hmm. in, you know, talking about callbacks, in this episode, I felt like like the John callback was sort of unnecessary, and again, it felt very much pulled from fandom arguments, the way it was phrased, because I'm not going to disagree, per se, with the sentiment. But I felt like the timing of it and the phrasing was very pulled from fandom. And like I say, there were a couple of lines in this episode that I just, to me, did not sound like, epi- like lines written by, uh, by the duo that I feel were script doctored in. And that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know 
I have trouble with this. I don't know if they want me to sympathize with either Mary or Tony, but it's super not working for me. Mm. Um, and it's one thing, you know, you want to, you'd want to just make, you know, catch the sadistic bad guy and that's great. But I do think that on the same hand, like Mary and Tony have to be held accountable for their response, like their part in things as well. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, for me, don't make Tony to be such a scorned woman when she clearly has the same psychopathic tendencies as catch as he pointed out. So it's not like this mm-hmm. is something he did to her. So don't, she don't better be dead by the end of the season. She better be dead. I'm really wary. Yeah, I'm really wary that she is going to become an ally, and that is so bothersome to me because the constant this person hurt Sam, and now he has to team up with them, and sometimes even save them, is Mm -hmm. really disturbing on a level where you get to you get to a point where you say where you go, you would never do this to a female character. And your audience would never allow you to do it to a female character. But because you have a male character, you're allowing these kinds of abuses to become jokes. Because not even mm-hmm. that, that this happens, it's that it becomes jokes as well. Like, you know, we saw that last year with, with Lucifer and Cassifer and God, that it just becomes mm-hmm. this ha-ha, you know, Sam has to let Lucifer mm-hmm. in his room, tee-hee. You would never, ever do that to a female character. And I think it's really, it's really disturbing that they'll do that to Sam and make it so mm-hmm. that Sam feels like he's done so much worse that he has to allow these people that have hurt him. And, mm-hmm. Which is one of them and one of my issues with cast for a long time. I'm going to be really straight up with that one. So... And with Mary, I I hesitate to say that she's irredeemable because I don't know if that's completely fair. But I do think, like, I don't understand her saying in one breath, you know, I don't know, I don't know, Sam and Dean, I don't, you're not, you're, you're just two men to me and I don't, I don't know. And then turn around over the course of a couple episodes and have her be like, no, I'm, I'm working with the men of letters who my sons don't trust for my sons. And then again, turn around and be like, I don't really know them though. And then again, now turn around and be like, what about the people you love? Again, yeah, it's, I... it's really inconsistent and. I, I would have. I'm also someone who have... liked Mary coming back, but I I don't think they've handled her well. All sometimes there are a few things I like, but I think sometimes she said, "I don't know, I don't." I mean, this whole season, and I understand her being completely upended, coming back to life again. You know, in a completely different time, and her sons are grown. Yes, but. They're her sons, and I could see them maybe giving her an episode or two to kind of like back off and figure things out. But they lost so many opportunities this season to have Sam and Dean have their mother and bond. You know, I would have loved to have seen a birthday party or a holiday. I thought I was 
thinking, I said, a great episode would have been Sam and Dean take Mary to one of John's storage units and sit down and go that, through yeah. it. And it's like, and, and they could have talked about Sam's trophies and Dean building the, his first gun. And then Mary could have seen things that maybe Sam and Dean didn't quite know what they were because they were from her days with John. And it would have been a great time to, to get to know each other, to have flashbacks. And, and I see, you know, if I'm not mistaken, there's, there's a line in one of the episodes where Dean kind of says that, where she says, I don't know you. And he says, you haven't even tried. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's a really good moment and a really good line, mm-hmm. but it goes nowhere in the end because she continues to not, which would be fine if she was completely detached from everyone, but she's forming mm-hmm. other connections with other people, just not her son. And it, ma- it makes her unrelatable. And I've seen a lot of people mm-hmm. discuss, like, well, you know, when you're a mother, you're not just a mother. And I get that. I do. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a mother, but I don't see my mother as just my mother. Like, my mother is a person. She is her own person. But I also take into consideration that at my age, which is Sam's age, my mother would, my mother has not watched this season because of Mary. Because she, as a mother, just can't, she just can't deal with Mary like it's so offensive to her as a mother Mm -hmm. and you know my mother has always had a life outside of me you know she worked she had her she went to school like she went to school when I was in my 20s so you know she worked she went to school she has hobbies and projects and things that she does all on her own that have nothing to do with me So Mm -hmm. she had, you know, and so for me as a daughter of a mother like that, it's very hard for me to rationalize Mary as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it makes me question, like, how good of a mother would Mary have been anyway? Because as it is, she was hunting after Dean was born, which is basically saying, I'm going to put my life in danger. Who cares that I have a kid and and a husband at home that will deal with the aftermath? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm I'm enjoying this very much. And I know we haven't talked too much about the episode, but I am going to have to go. Um, yeah, we can cut. I uh. Um, uh personal family issue. Okay. Very sorry, but important. I already know that you have stuff going on. Yeah. And there's no one else to to do so, and and the person will not understand, like, oh, five more minutes. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was a great podcast. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, maybe, maybe we can do it again, another wrap up or finish or whatever. And we'll have a podcast next week. <laughs> again, I'm so sorry to cut this short, but it is absolutely uh, very, very important. And I would not do this lightly. Uh, again, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll talk to you next week for the last two episodes. Maybe Vinny will join us. <laughs> Um, thanks I make again. no promises, and but thanks, guys, for tuning in.
Yes, and thank you, Vinny. Come back again. Appreciate it. <laughs> and Becky, we missed you, definitely. Okay, I'll let the boys play us out. Night, everyone. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen yep. Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.